Monday. I'm so excited to be sharing this episode with Katie with you guys. Um, there's honestly not that much that I have to say beforehand, except that I guess a quick like trigger warning because we definitely go into some like, topics and um, we start talking about like eating disorder tendencies and um, addictive um, coping mechanisms. So I wouldn't want any want to um feel like surprised if they're listening and uh yeah get thrown off so just a small little psa i also wanted to highlight better help because <laughs> i mean we talk a lot about katie's time in rehab and how it's basically extended therapy and it just made me think of <laughs> therapy in general and especially something so great like BetterHelp because it is the largest online counseling service and I've just found it so like I've been actually doing it alongside my um, regular therapy right now and it's kind of nice because it gives me another out like a another outlet's not the right word but another place to process some of my other things I'm going through while I'm working on something else with my therapist so I've been really enjoying it. And so if you wanted to start get started, you can go to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe and get 10% off your first month. Um, I really, really would recommend it. You can like text your counselor between sessions, which is not something you really can do normal therapy. Um, and yeah, it's just awesome. So again, trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe or just betterhelp.com slash Zoe for 10% off your first month. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here in Brooklyn with my friend Katie Orlando from college. Don't really have much to add except that <laughs> college friend extraordinaire. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for this was for background, like it's supposed to be recorded in March and we had like plans to get dinner and like and then COVID happened. But I'm glad that we picked this up. So why don't you just start off with like some background information. Where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What's your story? Absolutely. So I'm from New York. I'm from the suburbs, Westchester. I'm not proud of it, <laughs> but that's where I'm from. Um, I went to school with you, Zoe. So we went to Johns Hopkins together. What were the other questions? How old are you? How old are you? 24. When's your birthday? In May. Taurus? Yeah, Taurus. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, so kind of when growing up, not proud of being in Westchester, like what was that like for you? Like what was your high school experience like? Um, So I went to, I changed schools for high school. I went to public school for elementary and middle school, and then I changed to private school for high school. Um, High school was honestly pretty fine. I guess a lot of my friends were still my friends from public school um, and they started going through 
teenage angst, I guess you could use as a blanket term, um, before I did. Um, so that was pretty interesting. But it was a really competitive school. It was like a feeder school for Ivies, so a lot of pressure. Yeah. Wait, so that's so funny because, like, I feel like I had the same thing. When you see, like, angsty, do you mean, like, they started having, like, mental health stuff before you? Yeah, absolutely. And I was wrapped up in it. And just like, you know, as you would be concerned with your friends because they're cutting or suicidal or doing hard drugs and you're, like, 16. Yeah. That's so interesting because, like, I feel like I had something similar where the high school I went, um, freshman year in Greece, everyone was, like, super, like, had eating disorders and, like, the next year they were all talking about how depressed they were and I was like, whoa, like, (laughs) y'all good? Because, like, I remember just, like, being in my friend's room getting ready and they would all be, like, like, pinching their stomachs and be like, oh, my God, I'm so fat. And, like, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, that's just what teenagers do. And, like, at the time I was super comfortable in my body. Like, I didn't give two shits about anything. And then it's crazy, like, fast forward, like, four years. I'm like, a mess. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, wait, what, did I not learn anything from that experience? But it's weird watching it and then experiencing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't become a mess until college, but I certainly saw a lot of it and was like this is terrible I don't want to I don't want this to happen to me yeah exactly and then it's like oh god I predict the future (laughs) so what when you were just like like kind of trying to take care of your friends or do you think you were only affected like um kind of like by their experience or did you have your own experiences that were affecting you hard to say I think I had childhood anxiety like Mm -hmm. I think I had it from a really early age because like I'll even ask my mom because I don't remember what I was like when I was five Mm -hmm. Um, and she'll say that I just couldn't let things go and they even talked to childhood psychiatrists about it and the doctors were like oh it's just because she's smart she's like really really thinking about things so I think that I 110% had anxiety and some amount of depression in high school because I hated myself. I was like so uncomfortable in my body and with the kind of person I was, which was a fine person. I was smart, I was doing things. um, And I don't think I would have worded it that way that I hated myself, but 100% that's how I felt. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, looking back, like I had insane OCD like I'm I'm like thinking about it now and I was like wait why was I not like helped out with this like why did no one kind of be like yo you good like why are you like counting each of your steps or whatever I would do but yeah it's but I don't know it's weird obviously hindsight's 2020 um and then kind of as, as you said stuff kind of you know got worse in college so like how did you think like the timeline of that was like freshman you know fall versus like later on freshman fall like day one (laughs) it was right away um I so I think I went into college with a predisposition to having an eating disorder or already had an eating disorder I really couldn't tell you to be honest um but I was like on a solid diet um 
I was really, really nervous as a lot of incoming college freshmen are and really overwhelmed. And I'd never ever felt cool or interesting. Um, And I had drank in high school and I'd smoked weed, but not a lot. And suddenly it was like we were going to parties and we I mean we were in the same sorority so you know it was like rushing yeah it was like being in the spotlight a little bit yeah um and drinking just made me feel so much more comfortable all of a sudden that I was like this is great this is what I've always wanted is to turn my stupid brain off yeah yeah it's so true I mean I don't I also like don't know when mine developed I think it was like when I went abroad but it is weirdest I mean especially at Hopkins where it's not like I mean if I went to Alabama on one hand like my depression would probably be really (laughs) a lot worse but also like I wouldn't have as you said like been in the spotlight and all of a sudden get this like oh shit like people like are trying to get to know me like to rush me (laughs) (laughs) but like it was it's weird how that stuff like like escalate so quickly and then like ta- like you know um couple that with like the men that we went like the child like the boys that we went to school with <laughs> who were like um trash but like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's definitely um hello I'm, I'm petting katie's dog um yeah it's definitely a quick i guess escalated experience i guess and then when I guess, do you think it got to its worst? And, like, what did that look like for you? Um, I mean, it was de- it was definitely worst the junior fall, so the first semester of junior year. But it had been, like, at the forefront of my mind that my s- substance use was bad for a while. Like, I did... For rehab, like for rehab, there are all different ways that you can do a program. There's what people think of as rehab, which is a hospitalization program inpatient. Then there are partial hospitalization programs. There are intensive outpatient programs. And then there's just outpatient programs. After freshman year, I did an outpatient (laughs) program. So it was like right away. Um, Sophomore year, I was looking into places. But junior fall, it was 100% the worst I had given up drinking but was still doing drugs um and was doing drugs every single day went back to drinking of course and I was at like 109 pounds which no one no one listening to this podcast can tell but I'm 5'8 so that's like a low weight for me um so I would say that's when it was that's when it was the worst and do you think that like you were able to recognize that or do you think like everything was kind of blinding you to what you had to confront when that happened? Um, I, I mean, I think I a hundred percent recognized it. I was miserable, but I think the problem with being an addict is that it just didn't matter to me. Like I would wake up and throw up bile in the morning, not to be really disgusting, but I would wake up and throw up bile in the morning. Um, I'd had spent all of my money on weed and coke and I would say to myself I have like diary entries like I need to stop doing this um but then of course go back and do it so I was definitely aware but I wasn't really ready yeah it's so like hard 
to like first admit it to yourself and then like admit it to others and then I don't know just like like recognizing it is hard enough and then just doing something about it is like insane do do you think that I like I don't know I mean I know there are probably statistics in this but do you think that having anxiety like was really correlated with having an addictive personality yes oh yeah a hundred percent um because it just like I when I was a little kid this is what I do remember about being a little kid like I could never get to sleep without just laying in bed awake for an hour thinking about things um and I have such a hard time turning my brain off even I mean now too because I'm not doing drugs anymore um and just to have that shut off when you're high or drunk that's amazing so i would venture a guess that other people with anxiety feel that way too about substance yeah and i think too like kind of as i said like my ocd tendencies were so like i i don't know i kind of knew when i was younger i was like i'm gonna probably have an eating disorder like based on my personality like not now but like if I'm go down that hill, like I'm freaking plunging because it is just like part of my human nature kind of like to be obsessive about things and to like have control. And so like that lack of control with anxiety is like kind of masked by control through substance, control through food, control through like whatever. Did you feel like the eating disorder was or not I shouldn't say an addiction but like did you feel like what you were doing was addictive um or was it more about the control and about I think it was habitual actions you were taking I think it was more the control like because I remember having so many discussions about this with my nutritionist when I first like really started like focusing on getting better where I was like I'm not like I don't have body dysmorphia like Mm -hmm. I never looked in the mirror and was like oh you're too big if anything like I was just never happy with anything so and I don't know I also think that like growing up and like when I was in middle school getting like super teased and like wasn't considered attractive and then like the minute I like got boobs and like got a butt all of a sudden guys were like oh my god you have such a great body and it was like my whole life I was just a good body so Mm -hmm. I was like well I can't fucking lose this because then like I'm never you know I mean it's so ridiculous like all the things that women have to do to like feel valued so I think it was just a control thing it was like a fear of losing this like quote-unquote good body or what have you and like so then ultimately when I started taking medication for anxiety that's when I finally felt like freed a little bit because it got rid of like fear about everything like fear about food fear about money fear about like losing a shirt like really stupid things but I think that's why and also just I think I think like there's this common misconception that eating disorders are like black and white like like three different types 
but they're so like there's like overlap and there's commingling of symptoms and exactly methods, yeah. and like and methods and just it doesn't look like one thing or another they're all so nuanced and it's like that's what's frustrating both in anyone being able to like kind of help like it's frustrating for them but also I think like I don't know even seeing doctors I was like no but this I'm not feeling this way like I think it's because of my anxiety and like I don't know but and then kind of as you said with like other things like if you added addiction or if you add I don't know something else or like depression like there's just so much that just quickly goes downhill yeah absolutely I feel I feel like I had a similar desire for control um with my eating disorder but I also feel like I got addicted to what I was doing and I wanted to people (laughs) reference like chasing the dragon when they're talking I think it's for doing heroin I'm not honestly sure (laughs) but I think it's it's a drug related um euphemism and it's like about getting the next high and it being a higher high and that's definitely an addict thing to do but that's how I was with my eating disorder like if I ran eight miles one day to basically purge through exercise the next day I was like okay I'm gonna run nine and so I was an addict in that way oh I see that's so interesting the human brain did you study psychology I did (laughs) that's I wish I did I'm like reading Freud for fun right now (laughs) really want to know like why am I like this but it is crazy too to think like you were studying stuff that you were like subconsciously doing you know oh my god sophomore year I took abnormal psychology (laughs) which is like did you ever take that class? no I wanted to though it was psychology when things go wrong so depression anxiety personality disorders addiction and I was like huh (laughs) at the time did you like were you like, t- did you take a step back and be like, oh shit, I relate to all of this? Or were you just kind of reading and be like, interesting? <laughs> for addiction and depression and anxiety, yes. But for eating, di- nothing about my eating disorder clicked to me, honestly, until I went into treatment. Like I, um, I went to an intensive outpatient rehab place and they interview you, they do like an intake assessment, not an interview, an intake <laughs> assessment. Um, and then they assign you different sessions to go to, like sub- a substance session if you have an addiction problem or whatever the case might be. Um, and they put me in lunch group, which is where they feed you and watch you <laughs> eat. And you talk about your feelings after and you do food journals. Um, and I was furious. I was like, why are you putting me in a lunch group? I don't have an eating disorder. And they were like, surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Just thought you were coming here for one thing. <laughs> but yeah, it is so interesting. Like the denial thing is so real. And like I had that for so long. And but did you so was that outpatient program the one that you did during the fall? Um, no, I did that during spring of junior year. So that's when I oh, sorry, that's like took time off school. And what was, I feel like there's obviously just so many stereotypes and stuff about rehab and like rehabilitation programs. Like from your experience, what was it like? Um, it was a lot of, a lot of different things then. And it feels like looking back on it, a lot of different things now. Um, 
obviously it's a really big sacrifice to take off six to nine months of your life. Um, but it's, you know, you, you sort of take, take the good things that you get. I feel like, and this is someone who had a lot of things to get off her chest, but there's never an opportunity other than doing something like rehab where you're going to have all day, every day to talk about what's going on in your life, what has gone on in the past and how you're feeling about it. Like yeah. you just never get that level of processing elsewhere um, with people who really get it. So in that way, it was great um, in the way of sacrifice and of seeing people like me that didn't make it and didn't succeed in sobriety or whatever you know standard of health they were trying to achieve it was really hard did that's so interesting it's like om it's almost like a six-month therapy session yeah like we in therapy obviously is amazing but do you when you say like not succeed do you mean like because I, I think something i've found interesting mostly because i just read this book um you read the book how to murder your life by kat marnell yeah it's so good and she's like in and out and in and out, but it's true. And it, I feel like it must like be so hard to see like people like yourself, like trying and you know what they're going through. So it's like makes it that much even easier to empathize and thus like harder to feel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like um, it's it's hard to find people who understand um, really what substance abuse and recovery from it is like. And of course, like people who are trying to understand who haven't gone through it are the best kind of people. Mm -hmm. um, but like watching someone go through what you're also <laughs> going through and then just decide that they're going to get right back off the wagon is oh, like heartbreaking. Were you surprised by the people who are like in your groups? Like not... Like, I don't know, I feel like, did you go in with any, like, preconceived notions of what rehab would be like, and then were those changed? Um, honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember what I thought it was going to be like. Um, I, th if anything, I'm sure I was surprised that there were so many people my age, because I was 20, um, and I'm still often surprised that so many people get sober so young, but there's obviously a drug problem in this country yeah. so I shouldn't be surprised yeah it's so I mean it, it's so true especially like our generation I feel like is just really fucked up <laughs> like, for lack of a better word like god we need a we need like some we need to like chill but it's I mean it's amazing that you have like really stuck with it and just like so admirable obviously again like I don't know the complexities of addiction as much as you do but like from my perspective it's like so fucking cool that you've like done this and like have this sick apartment in new york <laughs> <laughs> this is so beautiful and um brings me to my next question but have peanut when did you get peanut um he's an emo or she's an emotional support animal like what is that like uh so i got peanut this summer before junior year so before i got sober and when I was getting sober, um, actually, even before I got sober, Peanut started to play a pretty big role in my emotional health without really 
like that was not why I got a dog um but just like I'm sh- I don't know if you've experienced this but my anxiety was so bad at Hopkins that I just like wouldn't get out of bed and wouldn't leave the house all day um like when we were sophomores living in Charles Commons I could stay in bed all day which yeah. is bad when you have to go to class yeah and take <laughs> tests and or pass eat <laughs> um but when you have another like life to take care of it makes it easier to get out of bed um so I decided to I decided to get her registered um kind of on a whim so I could bring her more places um with me because I was really enjoying and like relying on her to sort of get up and go do things at the beginning of junior year and also after I got sober. She doesn't really perform that role anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's really just my pet. Um, but yeah, that's Peanut's story. She also has a drinking problem. But <laughs> she just doesn't like to drink water. <laughs> reverse. Yeah, reverse drinking problem. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard that too from friends who have um, emotional support animals. Like, it gives them like like a reason to come home and like a reason to like get your life together kind of and it's like someone else and that someone happens to be like a little animal is like holding you accountable kind of yeah exactly I mean like when I think about living in sobriety um some days are good and some days are bad um and like any any day that's bad, all I think to myself is, you know what, I'm, I have a job, I'm supporting myself, I take care of this psychotic animal, dog, and I'm getting out of bed every day, which are like pretty basic human <laughs> things, but things that I didn't do when I was using, um, and that's like all all the comfort in the world that I need on bad days yeah it's true when you have like your lowest point you have like something to look back on and be like well at least I'm not there yeah when kind of going back to when you began your sobriety I guess so this would have been fall junior year like the first time what was the reaction you got from your friends and family um so I think, so honestly, I think I only told, like, my housemates, mm-hmm. um, and I was only speaking to two of them at the time, so I literally, I had had a really terrible blackout the night before, um, and this was, like, right after I started drinking again, um, and I woke up and called my parents, and I was like, come get me, I'm done which I think is a call my parents had been waiting for for a while. They were like, all right, finally. <laughs> um, and I think I think both my friends and I and my parents didn't really know what was going to happen, to be honest with you. Um, I was under the assumption I was going home for a month and that I would be back on campus. I think my friends were like, okay, do what you need to do. And my parents were like, hell yeah, we're getting her. Yeah. So mixed mixed responses and reactions but a lot of confusion but kind of going off of that like people who you talk to now like let's say you're I don't know you're at a company happy hour or something and like do do you ever get people who kind of make comments like oh like why aren't you drinking or are people pretty respectful it 
varies. Sometimes people are like, that's great. I actually had a guy two weeks ago tell me, this is like a 40-year-old man with young children, like a real a real adult, <laughs> in my words, tell me that he's six months sober, um, and I inspired him. So that's like top-of-the-line response. Yeah. But I also have had a coworker in the past who really didn't get it and was like, so you're never going to drink again, not even on your wedding day? And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. I think there's such a thing, like, I think I was talking to um, Lindsay Matslar about this, but like when people hear if like those people who respond in a way like, oh, like not even a glass of like whatever are themselves kind of having a battle with an addiction or something or like don't have a healthy relationship. So it's like projection of their insecurities on you. Yeah, I mean, I've. I've heard that from a lot of folks. Um, I think especially when I went back for senior year of college, a lot of people were incredulous, like old drinking buddies or old using buddies. Because I think sort of exactly what you said, it makes people look at themselves Mm -hmm. like, oh, I was drinking and doing the same amount as her. What does that mean for me? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think everyone's ready to take that look at themselves. Yeah, and then also you do, like, the whole comparison game, but, like, obviously, not that, you know, doing, like, drugs every day is good, but, like, depending on your personality, like, you, some people can, like, handle having, like, a glass of wine every couple of nights, as opposed to, like, some, it just, like, it just, you know, it's really specific. Right. Some people can take it or leave it. Um, There was, (laughs) speaking of having a glass of wine a night, one of... The, that one of the stories I've heard in AA was this woman's grandson was telling her about some new pill that's in development that alcoholics can take, and it only makes you want one glass of alcohol. And this woman was like, why the fuck would I only want one glass? And, like, that's an alcoholic response. Yeah. Yeah. That's also, like, what? Like, why, <laughs> why is it that pill? <laughs> It seems like a silly pill to be making, but... Like, definitely not FDA approved, but (laughs) whatever. That's so funny. Hello, everyone. It's me again. I just wanted to pop in because um, I wanted to highlight another one of my incredible sponsors, which is Saqqara. It's funny because actually after my conversation with Katie, uh, we were talking about Saqqara because Katie and I both like to eat plant-based and... I mean, Katie likes to cook, but I don't. Um, but something so cool about Sakara is that it is all plant-based ingredients, and they, but it's made for you, and it's delicious, and it's sent to your house, so you don't have to really do much effort, which is exactly what I like to do when it comes to cooking. Um, but it's just a really uh, cool company, and I know it's like a little bit on the pricier side, but you are kind of, you know, getting like the cleanest ingredients. Um, and also I've really started to like some of the clean boutique items because they're just like one-off products as opposed to the meal plans. And although the meal plans are great, they're a lot cheaper. So I use their like probiotic formula. Um, they have this really cool like metabolism super powder that I've been enjoying. And I also just really like all their different types of chocolates because they're like, I don't know, they're like bougie, but they're delicious. 
Um, so again, if you want to uh, get 20% off your order, you can go to sakara.com and use code XOZOE at checkout. So again, sakara.com code XOZOE. But yeah, I guess, so I always wrap up with some questions that I pulled from a New York Times article. So I'm going to ask you them too. I'm ready. What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Oh, that's easy. Getting sober. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Whenever I ask that question, I'm always like, well, they probably, they told me like their entire life story about <laughs> like probably what made them stronger. So, <laughs> do you believe everything happens for a reason? Uh, no, not really. Why? Because I, you know, I don't think, well, here, I'm really negative. <laughs> and I guess I've seen too many bad things happen to, to good people for me to feel like, yeah, that's justified. Yeah. Um, and some of that was self-inflicted, but I don't want to say, not myself, but them self-inflicted. But I don't want to think that that was purposeful. Yeah, I think I look at it like there's something you can learn from everything that happens Absolutely. in your life. Absolutely. I agree with that. And like, yeah, I'm also a big, I'm like super into right, like abundance right now and like um, kind of like getting out what you get or getting what you put out and I don't know, which is like super just like spiritual and woohoo of me, but like <laughs> it's just so crazy how when you like are in a better place with yourself, how you like attract more people and like better people into your life and I don't know where there is before I'm like total pessimist, like literally with mantra was hope for the best, but expect the worst. <laughs> like, <laughs> like If that doesn't say like depressed, angsty, like millennial, I don't know what does, but yeah. And now I'm like, Oh yes, this, this will happen. Next thing you know, I'm like, Oh shit. It did. You're, you're manifesting it. Yeah, exactly. You're manifestation. Manifesting it. Huge on that. If a crystal ball could tell you something about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you most want to know? Uh, nothing. I don't want to know anything. Is that like a, can I answer that one? Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of people have. The only answer that I like completely agree with is the lottery numbers. <laughs> 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 that was what someone answered. I was like, that's great. Will I be able to clone Peanut? Yeah. Like how to clone a peanut. I think you need like $50,000 to clone a dog. So if anyone wants to donate <laughs> that's listening. Like start my GoFundMe. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Oh, man. On the spot. <laughs> no. <laughs> I probably do. I just don't. I can't conjure it from. Do from you have like a favorite book or like a favorite poem i don't know i'm looking at something <laughs> um i love working it out by charles bukowski which is hard to find on the internet but i i think it's like a petite manifesto of what it's like to be an alcoholic um he talks about a snake eating its own tail and it gets halfway around and it realizes it has to um survive that way um and i like it because i feel like first of all alcoholics do that they not literally cannibalize, but sort of destroy themselves a little bit and then have to be okay with it and have to still stand up and get on. Um, but also everyone has to do that if you're yeah. not if you're not loving yourself. That's so true. 
what is is that a poem yeah oh that sounds really fun what do you love most about yourself um i don't know these are tough questions (laughs) (laughs) i have some on dates (laughs) do you really (laughs) sometimes (laughs) um i i guess my sometimes not beneficial to me attempts at empathy I'm really always trying to understand other people and be empathetic as I can. And it's sometimes ends up hurting me in the process, but I feel like that's a good place to be in. Yeah. Have you read Untamed by Glennon Doyle? No. Tell me about it. Oh my God. It's the best, it's the best book I've ever read. And I've read a lot recently, but it's, it's just like amazing. It's her memoir, like about just kind of like realizing like everything about herself but there's this line because she was also like depression eating disorder addiction all that and all the best people are (laughs) 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 you're not a poster child for mental health problems i don't want anything to do with you i know i was like i have a lot of content (laughs) to work with like i should write a book but um she says this one thing that's like says i've got these conditions anxiety depression addiction and they almost killed me but they are also my superpowers the sensitivity that led me to addiction is the same sensitivity that makes me a really good artist. The anxiety that makes it difficult to exist in a world where so, where so many people are in so much pain, that and that makes me a relentless activist. The fire that burned me up for the first half of my life is the exact same fire I'm using now to light up the world. Like, oh, love her. <laughs> I love that. It's so true, though. And I feel that. Like, <laughs> I had one... DBT dialectical behavioral therapy therapist who I my big problem is social anxiety so like I have other other anxiety too (laughs) but that was the big one at the time so like who's thinking what and like I sensed a problem in this person's tone and what does that mean she was like you're a super sensor (laughs) it's like a superpower like people with great senses of smell get paid to smell perfume all day i'm like well this isn't gonna get me paid but (laughs) i guess i can find a way to use it (laughs) and final question which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city oh the little things just like enjoying the simple pleasures of life walking to the dog park early in the morning when the city is really quiet um having a clean apartment (laughs) Um, you know, like uh, going to look at the East River and the skyline, really like simple, simple, but wonderful things. Amazing. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being like so open and sharing your story and catching up with me. (laughs) Where can everyone follow you, follow your uh, food blog and everything else? Um, I, <laughs> I am only at KTO969 on Instagram, but you could get to Peanut's Instagram from there, which is not well updated. <laughs> Peanut is just passed out right now. <laughs> <He's> sleepy puppy. <laughs> well, thank you again and bye everyone. <laughs>